Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Paula Peralta Show. Uh, it's a show where I bring people on that I absolutely adore, and we talk about whatever we want because it's my show and we can do that. So <laughs> thanks for being here. Um, today I am joined by um, someone that I've only probably, we've only known each other for maybe a year, but it's been a whirlwind of a year. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm actually really excited about this conversation for a couple of reasons. I think we're going to take a departure from like some of the normal interview questions mm-hmm. that you get. Um, but Thank it's you. so... <laughs> It gets really repetitive. <laughs> Seriously. So um, I am here with Kwana Chasing Horse. Hello. Welcome, my Hi. love. Thank you for having me. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. We also are joined by our two um, guest stars, Dinero and Tucker. Um, they wanted to be part of the episode today. So um, for those of you who don't know, Kwana is um, a fashion model. She's an activist. She is an advocate. She is a land protector, a water protector, all of those things. Um, and if you don't know who she is, look it up. Cause she is a change maker for sure in the world. Like even in the year that I've known you, the, the things that you've done and the conversations you've facilitated and just like the advocacy and all that has been amazing. So welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> um, okay. So I know everyone always wants to talk about the advocacy and, um, obviously if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see that we're both women of color <laughs> So, as an indigenous woman. I know that's a conversation that you're having a lot. Um, and we could totally talk about that. But one of the things that I actually brought you on for was because I love, I love everything you represent, but I also love that you do it your way. And that's like a lot of the conversations with guests that I've had, um, on the show so far is like people that are like doing business their way, doing relationships their way. And I feel like for you, even though you're sometimes having conversations that have been had, but maybe not on the level that you're having them, you do it in your way, like with your own style and your own authenticity. Mm -hmm. And so will you talk a little bit about that? Is that something that's always been the case for you? Like, do you feel like you've always had like a strong sense of identity? Do you feel like it's something that has developed? Like what did that, what does that look like for you? Yeah, I think, well, definitely it has always been there, but there was a moment in like high school where I went to a like predominantly white school. Um, and there was, you know, a few small groups of people of color, but it was predominantly white mm-hmm. and not a ton of native students. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time what would end up happening is the native students, you know, wouldn't have the best experience and would end up leaving that school and going to a different school, which I ended up doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but going to that school and like, you know, being there and, um, just being surrounded by people not of my own, you know, skin color, even just like within the BIPOC community, mm-hmm. um, it was definitely difficult to like feel like I fit in or to feel, you know, like I could be my authentic self. Like I felt like I had to fit like this, um, you know, like norm of, you know, like white people just have a different way of doing things, you know, and like they just also like, their style, everything is so different. And so like at that school, I did not fit in at all. Like even with what I wore, how I dressed, like how I did my hair, it was so different compared to everyone else that like I felt weird sometimes. Like I would always try to um, wear what the other girls were wearing. So I remember I used to wear like a lot of baggy clothes and like a lot of hand-me-downs for my brothers because I lived in like Alaska, the woods of Alaska and we moved to the city like 
the hardest thing was, you know, having to hear rumors about you as a little girl being like, oh, like, not even just rumors, just mean comments, you know, just saying like that I dress weird because mm. like I wear baggy clothes and I wear my brother's hand-me-downs and just things like that. So after that, I seriously was trying so hard to fit in. So I was like, I told my mom and we went to the store and she helped me pick out some like skinny jeans because those skinny jeans were in. And I can't even imagine you in a pair of skinny jeans. I'm, I'm, I don't even own a pair of skinny <laughs> jeans. I really don't. So like, it was definitely one of those things where I was like in a, like an identity crisis where I wanted to fit in so badly and I wanted to like be like everyone else, but I'm not. I really had to come to terms with, I am not like everyone else, my style, the way I, you know, um, approach people, just everything about me. And I feel like this is with everybody else too, is we have our own authentic selves, but society around us is so influential with how we approach things or how we dress or how we even treat people. And so it's definitely been a journey to mm -hmm feel comfortable to be who I am. I mean, as a kid, I didn't care, you know, like, you know, living in the woods of Alaska and the small community that we lived in, you know, there were times during the winter where our cars wouldn't start because it'd be too cold and everything would freeze. Mm. So we would take uh, my mom's dog team to school. And so like, I didn't care about how I looked all the time. Of course, you know, I was still like a little girl and trying to be like all the other little girls, but you know, there was also just another side of me that is just so proud of who I am. And, you know, in school, we have like school projects, like, um, what's the one, what, what do they call them? Show and tells. Oh, uh-huh. It's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> like in um, elementary school. Yeah. Um, so for all of my show and tells I've ever did in school, I always did like kind of like a family tree, but more um, talking about my culture. Mm -hmm. And I would bring, like, my moccasins and things from my culture and then, like, talk about my people and a little bit of the history and then also just, like, talk about our art. And, like, I, w I was just such a proud kid, but I also didn't understand that my people were so discriminated against because mm -hmm. I was just so proud to be Native that I, like, yeah. didn't even realize that that was a thing until I learned about, like, Columbus Day, until I learned about all these other things. But I didn't learn that through school. I learned it through experience and through my own community because they don't teach you stuff like that in yeah. school. Same. That's so... It's so interesting because, like, so I've, we've had so many, like, diverse guests on, like, Black and Latina and indigenous and you know afro-latin and all this stuff and it's so crazy to me how much that is a common thread like you you realize looking back you realize as a child you're treated differently but you don't really get it yeah and like, then you why? start to get yeah, like, yeah the context that's so it's really interesting to hear you say yeah. that and i feel like we were talking about this the other day when we were on a job together yep. um how i was i think it was like the exact conversation of being like when you're a little kid you don't even realize you know, like, you wonder, like, why am I being treated differently? Mm -hmm. Like, why does this happen? And then as you grow older, you start to, like, realize and you know, obviously, now, you know, like, the hardships that our communities have gone through, you know, like, minorities yeah. have gone through. And so I definitely struggled a lot in high school of just trying to feel comfortable being myself. Mm-hmm. But I think 
I got to the point where after I hit like going into junior year and senior year, mm. I think that was when I was just like, you know what? Like, I don't care. And I started wearing like my own things. And mm -hmm. then that became a trend. So like I was bullied and like teased and made fun of for my features, for my nose, my long hair, or like, you know, my clothes or how I dressed and how I acted. I was, I was a rugged kid. You know, I grew mm -hmm. up, I have only brothers um, and, you know, even in some of my past relationships and my most recent relationship, they were like, wow, like, I don't realize how, like, you do run with the boys because, mm -hmm. like, that's how I've run my whole life. Like, brothers and all my, most of my cousins are boys and I have a few really close girlfriends, mm -hmm. you know, but I'm mostly surrounded by boys, mm -hmm. oddly enough. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's... I'm comfortable around boys, um, and I feel like I that's had a huge influence on my um, my style. Mm -hmm. So like, I would always steal my brother's clothes, and they would get so angry at me because <laughs> I would look better in it. I'm just kidding. right. You're like because I make it look good. Um, okay, so how would you describe your style now? Um, like I feel forward. like it's very much the same. It actually didn't really change a lot. I still wear a lot of the same things that I wore in high school. I have mm -hmm. some of my prize pieces where I'm like, I'm never getting rid of this. Yeah. Um, and I do a lot of like, well, you know, back in the day when I didn't have the money to like buy super expensive, like vintage thrifted things, I would try my best to like go to Value Village or Goodwill. Mm -hmm. But if I couldn't go there, then... Um, Obviously, like, I would try to be as aware as possible, but it was always hard when, you know, I think that's a big conversation around fast fashion and fashion mm -hmm. in general is that a lot of the things that are good for this planet or are better for this planet mm -hmm. um, is more expensive. Mm -hmm. As for, like, fast fashion is, like, you know, two bucks for a freaking T-shirt, mm -hmm. you know? So mm -hmm. it's just, like, it is difficult but that is something that I had to navigate and still wanting to do good and be a part of this movement and not contribute mm -hmm. and I think that's the hardest thing with a lot of advocates is we feel like we have to be perfect we have to do everything mm -hmm. right we have to you know yeah. because we do care and we do want this planet to be good but it's also not our fault that this planet and this society this world is such a like capitalistic such a extractive world and you know we just live in it. We just happen to live in it, you know, and it's not our fault. We just have to do our best to navigate around that. Yeah. And for me, now that I do and am able to, you know, go shopping at thrifted places or whatever, you know, I have so much fun because I always end up finding some really, really cool, like old vintage shirts, with, like powwow shirts that have really cool print on it mm -hmm. of a Native American or, you know, really cool, like, old, old shirts um, that kind of are, like, tribal printed or something, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, um, so I think it's also really important for people of color reclaim, you know, their culture, like, mm -hmm. even, like, black culture, you know? Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's so important that we continue to show the world that this is ours and not for white people to appropriate mm -hmm that we can reclaim this and show the world that this is who we are because I feel like when it's appropriated, it's not authentic at all mm -hmm. because not only is it an inspired idea from an original idea, but they never do it right. And it's never, you know, um, actually real to like who we are. Yeah. And like, 
there's just so many ugly stereotypes that have been cre- created around, you know, cultural appropriation. Mm-hmm. And so that's something I've been battling a lot with in the industry where, you know, brands would want to work with me and it'd be like an entire culturally appropriated collection and they'd want me to model it because it makes them look better because they're mm-hmm. like, oh, we hired a native model. Yeah, it's like the stamp of approval. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I'm sorry, but if a native artist didn't collaborate with you on these designs and I'm not working with you because mm-hmm. I'm not because then essentially they're just stealing the looks yep and then like pumping it out like, is... that's another big conversation around you know culture and identity is like you know for us Native Americans our land was stolen we were forced off our own lands uh, you know to completely different lands and removed from our ancestral homes you know our languages were almost completely erased our culture, our traditions, all of the things that make us who we are mm-hmm. was almost completely erased through genocide, through many attempts of genocide. And the fact that like we're still here mm-hmm. and can, you know, influence today's society and culture through art, you know, that's mm-hmm. like a big thing. Yeah. And so, and it's everywhere. Like even, for instance, me and my brother were playing um, a card game. It's almost like apples to apples, mm-hmm. but it's called like cards of like decolonization or something mm-hmm. and so it's like Amazing. there's like different versions of it <laughs> yeah. and we played this one called indigenous creatures and it's really funny there's like the red cards which is like the the card where everyone's trying to like yeah you know match, match or whatever mm-hmm. um it'll be like um something about you know oh like um you got lice from this because just it's just like funny funny mm-hmm. like dumb things but like rugged but like like, if you know you know exactly (laughs) and a lot of the things in there were actually like you know for one thing about natives is that like we humor and laughter is medicine and Mm -hmm. that is one way how we survived is not letting the horrible things completely tear us down we're still capable of laughter and loving each other and joy and like coming together as community and building each other up. Like that's the beauty in community is no matter how many horrible things are happening to your community, there's still moments of beauty Mm. and joy and laughter and humor. And so, you know, we can laugh about some sad things that have happened to us, but we know that it's serious and we know it's still affecting us to this day. I love that, like, we were like, we're not going to go here, and now we're totally going here. But since we're going here, mm-hmm. I actually want to talk about this because you bring up a really – you said something earlier about how, um, you know, like, people think that advocates need to be perfect. Yeah. And that, you know, we were talking about sustainability and fashion and things like that. And I actually – I've seen this a lot working with you and, like, getting to know you on a personal level. Like, um, how – like you're still learning every day. Yeah. So like you're talking about like you, there are things that are cultural that are just part of like, you know, that like laughter is medicine and, and the way that you connect with your ancestors Mm -hmm. and like your people as a culture, there's that side. And then there's still things like historical, like even talking about as a kid, understanding Christopher Columbus day and things like that. Like, um, but I love, I love watching you kind of navigate the world and being like, listen, I don't know everything, but here's what I know. And like, you're going to listen to what I have to Mm -hmm. say in terms of these places. So, um, and I think the other side too, is like kind of being in your orbit for me, there's a lot of things like I've learned from you so much in the last year. And it's been really interesting to see how, um, like what you're saying with culture, like it applies to black people. It applies to indigenous people. Like it applies to people, Mexicans, like, so, and, and I think in fact, one of the things that I've, that I love the most is like in the time that I've gotten to know you is like, I think about America so differently. Like Mm -hmm. I think so often when 
and I'm just going to speak to my own ignorance. We can learn things every day. But like so often when we think about like indigeneity, Mm -hmm. most people think like native people, America, like the like lower 48 kind of vibe. But it's like when you open it up, it's like, no, Canada also like Mm -hmm. the indigenous people of Canada, like there's the borders don't matter. Totally. And And that's the thing is I love that you said that the borders don't matter because I was like, um, we've also had lots of conversations about like Mexico yeah. and how those are like native people. They are like, native. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. But it's like those kinds of things where, and I'm just like spreading, like saying this, I'm speaking to it because um, like a lot of you guys know, say boss by this chance, by this point, you should know, like he's our producer and he's from Mexico. Mm-hmm. And we had a conversation about this recently because we were at your birthday party yeah. and it was like, obviously you're surrounded so, so by so many beautiful family members and and Sebas and I had a conversation he was like I feel like I'm with my people yeah and I'm like well those are your people yeah like yeah. it's and and I love what you just said there like the borders don't matter because don't. when it's like when you're looking at things like native culture mm-hmm. it's we create this like race delineation, not we white people created this like race delineation in order to create separateness mm-hmm. but when you bring all of these people together, like you see the similarities and yeah. the cultures and the way we interact and the way that we like lift each other up mm-hmm. and love on each other and stuff like that. And I think one thing that a lot of people think about um, to oh, well, us as like indigenous people, BIPOC communities, mm-hmm. I feel like we all think about this a lot is like, you know, um, not only are we just like communities full of love despite what we go through. But we all have similar values in a sense where like we want to protect our communities, you know, we want to protect our people, we want to protect our culture and traditions, and we want to protect Mother Earth because protecting Mother Earth is protecting ourselves mm-hmm. and protecting the future generations. And I think that is very beautiful to see how, you know, different but also similar cultures mm-hmm. are, but but the way we look at life and the way we look at earth and each other is mm-hmm. so beautiful, you know? And yep. And I think that's why we're able to laugh. That's why we're able to love each other mm-hmm. because we see with love, we see with care and with protection. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, um, with, you know, how we were just talking about my style mm-hmm. and talking this, I think it's funny because, you know, as we're talking about this, I was thinking, you know, my work as an advocate and also just tying my own like personal like style from childhood to now, um, you know, of course I like to every once in a while wear a skirt and dress up girly and be cute. But like most of the time I'm like wearing baggy pants and it's like baggy a skirt shirts. with sneakers. I think anytime I see you in a skirt, you're in like Nike sneakers. And, yeah, exactly. Or like boots or something, mm-hmm. you know, I'm never like, you'll never see me in heels, like, you know, unless I have to for right. work or something. But, you know, I think what truly influences my style, like, and continues to is my work as an advocate. Mm. Because, you know, you see, I wear, like, land back shirts. Totally. And, like, like, a lot of, you know, like, um, stuff that will make a statement. Mm-hmm. And um, I think what you wear can also influence other people, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And um, there has been moments where I'm wearing, like, a Defend the Sacred shirt, a really beautiful design. And it's, like, you know, natives and whatever. And people are like, wow, it's a beautiful shirt. Where do you get that? And like, what is it about? You know, if I like leave Alaska and people don't know mm-hmm. the movement in Alaska mm-hmm. of like mm-hmm. defend the sacred. Um, and so it's really cool to be able to like explain that to people just because they looked at my shirt and they mm-hmm. asked questions, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So like, even like as simple as that, if the, I can educate people just because I'm wearing a shirt, like that's cool, yeah, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I think, 
you know, it's also really cool to see, you know, there's native designers, native artists, mm -hmm. you know, um, jewelers who make incredible work and incredible pieces that are just as, you know, incredible as like high fashion. I feel like native mm -hmm. art is high fashion. Mm -hmm. You know, our, my, how I see, um, native art and native jewelry is how I see diamonds, you know, mm -hmm. like, um, native art and native jewelry is diamonds to me. Like you can keep your diamonds. I'm sticking to yeah. these things because not only are they raw materials and they're made with love, but one thing that I, I think about and I think not a lot of people recognize is that especially in society today and people that get to live comfortably in their homes and like they can go to a store and just buy food for us in Alaska and a lot of our indigenous communities, we don't have access to stores. We don't have access to those things. We don't have the luxury of like walking down the street and going to the corner store. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of our communities still greatly depend on the land, depend on our ways of life, mm -hmm. hunting, fishing, all of those things. And, you know, how, you know, that was my entire upbringing and how I'm able to bring that to now, you know, I'm in LA now and like, I, I have the luxury of going to the store, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's different. And I think about like, you know, a lot of young people are now living in the city. Like a lot of native kids that live in the city, they are now seeking their culture and wanting to mm -hmm. go to back to their communities and wanting to learn those things. When before, you know, like my mom's generation, my grandparents' generation, because of assimilation, because mm -hmm. of residential school, when they were taken from their communities and forced into, you know, um, a, a white school, yep. that their motto was kill the Indian, save the man, mm -hmm. you know, um, it made them want to assimilate, made them want to forget their culture because they went through so much traumatic things just because they spoke their language, mm -hmm. just because they you know, drew something that reminded them of home mm -hmm. or just because they wanted to, you know, sing a song that reminded them of home. Like those things were so banned that, you know, they went through extreme abuse, you know, extreme abuse. And so that those generations were fearing, are fearing for us, you know, thinking mm -hmm. that those are things that we're going to go through or those are things that could happen to us because it happened to them. And I just have so much love and care for the generations that had to go through that and continue to teach. You know, after they left those schools and they went back to their communities, they didn't want to, like some people did, but I know a lot of people, like my grandma, for instance, she ended up going back to her community and living in the village and living her ways of life again, mm. you know? Mm -hmm. So like people that, you know, have the courage to do that, you know, it's beautiful, but also like the people that didn't, you just got to know where they're coming from and understand that they went through a lot. But also like, you know, the people that did, they just want to share. And mm -hmm. so um, young people that don't have to go through that, that can be proud of who they are. You know, it's a whole different experience. And that literally happened what, one, two generations ago. Totally. And so it's a whole different shift yeah. in education and everything for Native people. Well, and I think, like, it's interesting, um, again, like, kind of the, I see so many similarities when we start talking about just, like, cultures and things like that, because I feel like even for me, like, I was raised in a predominantly white, like, schools, and, and I was, like, one of the very few people of color um, where I grew up, but, like, there's always something in me that, like, called to, like, there was something in me that just, like, was calling to know my history and like know my culture and mm -hmm. like know my people. And, um, 
I, I, one of the things I love is how supportive you are of like the native community is especially like with the youth. And I mean, I see you constantly like connecting with people and, you know, people are reaching out like some of even like, I, like most of you, I think you had a bunch of your girlfriends over here, like a couple of weeks mm-hmm. over your birthday and they were like all like indigenous or like had some sort of native background or mm-hmm. mix, mix thereof. And I think that's so cool. Um, so like how, is that something that you do that you like make a point to do, like to keep like su- obviously supporting like the indigenous community, but like what, what sort of work are you doing to like specifically connect with the youth and, yeah. and basically share that message that you just shared? So I, I love my, my work, like my community work just because it, I'm able to go back to community. Like that's the most grounding thing for me. Mm-hmm. And I think some people are just like, oh, it's work, whatever. But for me, it's like, it's so much more fulfilling. Like if I can be a model and give back to my community, mm-hmm. like that's the best of both worlds for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do make it a big part of what I do as an advocate, but also as a person, like yeah. me as a person, like I surround myself with people that not only get it, but also like want to learn mm-hmm. and like put themselves out there. Or even if they don't put themselves out there, like they're, they're, you know, trying to put themselves out there or they're like, you know, wanting to educate themselves or wanting to know who they are, or where they come from. And mm-hmm. one thing I, my mom repeated to me as a little girl and, you know, um, still to this day, every day leaving the house was like, remember who you are and where you come from. And mm-hmm. I always tell young people that just because like, it may just be like a whatever sentence and be like, yeah, whatever, you know, cause that's how I was leaving the house every day. I'm like, yeah, mom, I know. But as now that I'm an adult, mm-hmm. I need to remind myself of that every day when I walk out the house because I'm in such a huge industry with so many different kinds of people from across the world. And I meet so many different people from different walks of life that like, you know, I walk into these spaces and I'm usually one of the only Native Americans on set or the only Native American on set. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I'm in these spaces, not only am I just representing myself, but I'm representing my people because I'm one of the first in this industry. Like you represent your community as a whole. And I want to make sure that what I'm doing with my work is making my people proud Mm -hmm. is making, you know, my people feel good and also be wanting, or even just knowing that it's possible for Mm -hmm. us to be in these spaces, to thrive in these spaces, to um, be successful in these spaces. Cause a lot of the time, these systems, these the society is isn't meant to benefit people of color, totally. BIPOC people at all. So the fact that we are here and that you know we're thriving and that we're getting the recognition and and so on, you know, after how many attempts of genocide, after how many attempts of like erasure of everything that of who we are, we're still here and practicing our culture, practicing our traditions, you know, sharing that with future generations. It's beautiful. And that's something that brings a lot of our people to tears is seeing young people, young mm-hmm. kids, like learning how to dance, learning their traditional songs, because those things were not meant to, you know, be erased. Mm-hmm. It was meant to be carried on. Yeah. But the fact that there were so many attempts to erase that, mm-hmm. you know, um, and our people stayed strong. It, it's a powerful thing. Yeah. The resiliency of like the resilience and ju- just across the board of like BIPOC people mm-hmm. and just people like it's yeah, that's for sure a game changer. And I think it's just a testament to 
the people Mm -hmm. and the culture and the fact that it's like when it is something that's so natural Mm -hmm. and like truly native, Mm -hmm. like not like necessarily native relating to a people, but just native to like, you're talking about mother earth. Like it's just, it is the way of the earth. Yeah. Like that. It's just not gonna, there's no other way to be, you know? And I think too, um, with like more youth work, I mean, my mom started this thing called um, native youth outdoors Mm -hmm. and Really, it's like a nonprofit to encourage young Native kids who don't have, you know, the opportunities to try new things or to try different sports. Because a lot of the outdoor industry sports, like skiing, snowboarding, all of those things are pretty expensive. Mm -hmm. Like, the equipment is expensive. Mm -hmm. Like, a lift ticket to go snowboarding and skiing is expensive. Like, Mm -hmm. all of those things is expensive. Mm -hmm. And that's why... The outdoor industry is also lacking in representation because it is an expensive industry. Mm -hmm. Um, So what we did was, um, you know, I have a documentary with the North Face Mm -hmm. and um, they have been extreme. I've actually been working with them before I started modeling and they've been extremely supportive of all of my advocacy work. And when we made this documentary, they fully funded it, everything. Mm -hmm. And when I go back to my community they always want to like support me and same with Paul Mitchell when I went Mm -hmm. back to my community did you know that Paul Mitchell um sent 1,200 products Mm -hmm. to Alaska and we donated them to of course we handed them out at our little raffle that we held um with the North Face Mm -hmm. but we also gave the whatever we had left to all the women shelters because all of the shelters in Alaska are slacking so much Mm -hmm. in resources like Mm -hmm. insanely yeah so like the youth shelters lacking so horribly and there's a lot of like homeless youth that end up on the street Mm. and it's dangerous because Alaska has the highest rates of you know violence domestic violence drug abuse homicide like all of those crazy statistics Mm. it's it's really harmful to our youth Mm. and so if I can give a little bit back, you know, so we donated all of those products to all of the, the shelters, the women's shelters, the homeless shelters, the youth shelters. Um, of course I got money over there. I got the North face to fund a bunch of different things that we're doing. So it's just like giving back as much as possible with everything that I'm doing is just like the best feeling and the best Mm -hmm. thing that I can do for my community. But, um, we also were able to, um, at the same time that we did that, actually, we held that um, Native Youth Outdoors, mm-hmm. and um, we were able to get 30 Native youth to sign up to try snowboarding. And oh the we only have, like, two small, like, really, really, really small ski... Re- like, they're not... It's not even a resort. They're just, like, little hills, you know? <laughs> yeah. With, like, a few runs. And it's super fun, and it's amazing, and at least we have that, but, you know... It is expensive. It is, you know, a little tricky for some people to get out there. And some people don't have, like, the perfect snow gear mm-hmm. or don't have snowboards. So we were able to get the, um, they're called Ski Land, the, the ski hill, to donate all of the tickets. So we didn't have to pay for the tickets. Um, the North Face and a bunch of other some supporters sent gear for kids that didn't Amazing. have the right gear. Um and they also sent money to rent snowboards. Mm. And so everyone had everything. And um, we also brought out 
uh, Acacia Red Elk. She is a 10-time world champion jingle dress dancer, and she's a badass snowboarder, yoga instructor. Like, she's so cool. Um, she came out and taught with us, my friend Cherokee Jack, mm-hmm. who's um, a model, and he is, um, he, like, competes in snowboarding. He's just really good at snowboarding. Mm-hmm. Um, a really cool friend, Liam Gill, he mm-hmm. is actually 19 years old, and he's um, a native um, Olympian, snowboard Olympian wow. on like the half pipes and does like all the crazy tricks. Like it's <laughs> insane. He's so talented and he's so cool. And um, we also brought out another Alaska native Olympian. Um, her name was Callan. And um, so it was just really cool to bring healthy people from the community who are experienced mm-hmm. that could teach the kids. So we we're able to do that. And Sure enough, the last time we went out to that hill, we saw some Native kids out there that we had taught that day. And they were like, um, I'm so happy to see you. Like, I can't wait to show you how good I got. Like, oh, my just, gosh. It's, so it's just cute. so good to see that because, um, you know, I just explained the statistics. But also, um, Native youth have the highest rates of suicide mm-hmm. and drug abuse. And so, especially because in the wintertime, it gets so, so dark there you know, for a few months in winter in Alaska, we get very, very minimal light. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it gets really dark and cold and depressing in the wintertime. And so, like, winter winter sports is really important for youth to try out. So, I love that. Yeah. Um, okay, so <laughs> if, like, I mean, obviously you're telling all these really compelling stories, and it's I always think it's amazing, but um, <laughs> if someone's, like... <clears throat> how do I get involved or like, what can I do? So say like, I want to be an ally. And we talked about this the other day. Cause it's like, listen, friends, there's this thing called Google. <laughs> that yeah. you can like Educate yourself. But like, what would be something that you're super passionate about that you'd be like, Hey, if you want to be an ally, like, and you want to contribute to the things that I'm doing, like where can people donate or can they like, mm-hmm. where do they go? Um, yeah, so I, of course, I get that question a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually have a link tree in my bio on Instagram. Amazing. I didn't even know that. <laughs> and I literally have so many links of just different articles of different mm-hmm. things I've done in fashion, but I also have a bunch of, um, I even have a native territories map. So really, it's, um, you click on it and it brings you to the map of like all of like North America, South America, mm-hmm. and it shows, um, what indigenous tribes were where and their exact territories. Mm-hmm. So you can look up like, LA and it'll zoom in in LA and we'll show you different um, mm-hmm. tribes and their territories mm-hmm. and and so I have that if you are very curious on like if you're somewhere and like oh what native lands am I on you can go on the native territories map type in the city you're in or area you're in and it'll show you the people that occupied those lands before colonization mm-hmm. um, I also have a bunch of nonprofit organizations in there um, but really you know a lot of nonprofit organizations that I've worked with directly. I have friends that work with these organizations. It's like NDN Collective, Illuminative, um, Fairbanks Native Association, um, Tanana Chiefs Conference. There's um, Indigenous um, Enterprise that also just does really fun performances and they do all kinds of really cool things across you know, Turtle Island to represent our people. There's just so many different things yeah. you know, for different different things you know there's climate focused yeah there's climate focused or there's land focused or there's water focused or there's even just like culture focused there's Mm -hmm. so many different things and there's some nonprofits that do all of it some that do specific work in specific Mm -hmm. areas but 
yeah, in my link tree, there's quite a few of them in there. So I think, and, and even for me, like whether it's with my people or other communities as well that I feel like I want to contribute to, or just, I always want to feel like I can contribute more to people. But, um, I think it's like, do something. Yeah. Like that's the thing that I always tell people is, you know, whenever I post about an issue, like a social issue or a climate issue or whatever, I always try to like add a call to action Mm -hmm. because it can, it can be really overwhelming Mm -hmm. because it feels like there's so much that needs to be done Mm -hmm. and there's so many just things that are insane. And so it can be really like, like, where do I even start? And so that's, I love that you have like that link trip because if you're looking, I'm speaking to whoever is listening to this or watching, like if you're looking for something to do, like start there, go Mm -hmm. educate yourself, go click the links Mm -hmm. and just do something. Even if it's like you donate 10 bucks or a hundred bucks or a thousand, whatever that looks like. And even if it's not donating, just like share, Yeah, you know, like there's, you know, raising awareness. Yeah, exactly. Raising awareness. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, for instance, a lot of my work in the beginning was just raising awareness because like how else are you supposed to make change? Like you need awareness first to be able to get people on board. Yeah. And so a lot of my work beforehand was just really raising awareness. But now that I have that platform Mm -hmm. and I have raised awareness for different things now, like here's a call to action. Here's what we're working on. Here's what we're doing. Totally. Here's what, you know, a lot of our communities on the front lines Mm -hmm. of these issues are doing, you know, here's how you can support. And so that's like, I love that. The most important thing for yeah. me is making sure that with my platform, I can give a voice or a platform to other people and to other movements or communities that need it as well. Totally. What do you feel like was like the turning point in kind of the, I guess the, the coming together of like your world as a model and like your, your world as an advocate? Like, I know that for you, those things have always kind of been one in the same, but I, I'm curious if you feel like there was a moment in your career as a model that you were finally like, okay, this is like, people are paying attention. Yeah, definitely. Um, in the very beginning, of course. So I was an advocate yeah, way before forever. modeling. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. like, that's actually how I got scout is, mm-hmm. was through my advocacy work. Um, and once I signed and started modeling, you know, of course, in the very beginning, I feel like every model, every person that's trying to start out in an industry, it's like, you're just trying to book a job. Mm-hmm. You're literally just trying yeah. to like get seen. Totally. And so really I was just taking jobs. Like most of them were just editorial mm-hmm. and magazine. So no campaigns yet, but I was really just trying to get seen. And then as I was gaining more eyes and more of a platform, you know, my agents were like, all right, we know your goals. Because when I first met with them, I was like, this is what I want to do with my career. If I become successful as a model, I want to use my money, my platform for all the right things. And they knew that my advocacy was a priority Mm -hmm. in my work Mm -hmm. as a model. Like Mm -hmm. I've actually turned down some incredible jobs, which sometimes I think about it and be like, oh, it would have been amazing to do that. But then I also think about the work that I did in my community was way more fulfilling. Mm-hmm. You know, of course it would be awesome and it's always an amazing opportunity and I never want to turn things down, but if I can go back to my community and do great work there too and if I have to choose between one or the other, I'll always go back to my community. Mm-hmm. And there have been times where I've had to make those tough decisions and be like, "Oh, man, I will never get an opportunity like this with this brand or for this job or whatever it is, you know, but then, you know, I think when you do those good things and you know um, the right thing to do, the right things will come your way totally. and better things will come yeah. your way. So I always put that in mind. We're like, all right, well, 
you know, as much as I want to do this opportunity, I know if I do great for my community that it'll come back full circle and something great will happen as well in the near future. And so, yeah, I just try to stay positive and really just know that, you know, everything that I do with modeling and advocacy, like now I'm in a place, you know, the first year, I, it was hard for me to make those demands with brands when I started getting campaigns like, hey, when you work with me, there's a charitable component. There's all of these things, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of the time, like, it's just too much for them. They're not ready for someone like me because, for one, in my contract and a lot of the work I do, they're not allowed to cover up my tattoos. They're not allowed to cut my hair, dye my hair. They're not allowed to, like, try to make me fit the stereotypical look Mm -hmm. of a native person Mm -hmm. like if they want a more native look i'm like all right well we have to do this authentically like no cultural appropriation let me bring my own jewelry like if i can truly represent my people and get also native artists Mm -hmm. and designers Mm -hmm. that platform and get that them that opportunity then amazing right and so that's where i'm at now where i can now you know every time i work with a brand I've I've raised I think well over half a mil for different oh God, different amazing. organizations like getting them funding, you know, getting them money or even just like being able to support them and like sharing their work mm-hmm. and then them getting, you know, more through that. It's just it's good work and yeah. I want to continue that, but sometimes, you know, it can be tricky with modeling cuz that this industry is so, like, it's either just amazing or it can completely ruin things yeah. for some people, you know? And totally. so I've just had to really learn how to navigate this industry as an indigenous person, you know? And I feel like, you know, this industry, this industry is now learning how to work with us in a better way, but mm-hmm. also I've had to have difficult conversations, awkward conversations, mm-hmm. uncomfortable conversations with brand CEOs like different people and that just shows like if they're on the same page if they're ready to move forward in a better way like that just shows where they're at and if they're not there yet then okay so be it um but you know hopefully I just encourage them like hey it is possible to do both be amazing do amazing things in fashion and create beautiful pieces and be sustainable. It is possible. Mm-hmm. So just telling people and showing people that it is possible, it's it's really important because we really need to move away from like the throwaway culture of fast fashion. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I think too, like, um, I even like speaking to you, make, always making statements and incorporating like your own jewelry or like um, celebrating indigenous uh, jewelry designers. I think like for me, I think it was your, was it your first year at the Met Gala when you like, you did you paint on yourself no i had i'm trying um, to remember i actually had so my first met gal i had um like a gold dress and um the turquoise jewelry that's right and it was like all layered of like all kinds of turquoise i was just like stocked up goddess (laughs) it was insane and i think that was like a big statement because that the theme that year was like celebrating the basically like america you know so people even showed up in like like a flag kind of looking outfit or you know i don't know so i definitely was like well might as well be as authentic as it can get yeah you're like literally america (laughs) i am native literally like i'm from like i'm indigenous to these lands so like 
you, you want me to talk about America? This is America, you know, <laughs> like, I don't know. It was just, yeah. And then the next year it was like, I think the same, the theme was the same actually. Oh, was it? Yeah. yeah I think we did like two parts to it. Mm. So I basically did the same thing, but different. So I, um, had like a really pretty blue dress and like a long fluffy dress. And then my jewelry, um, was like all porcupine quills and dentalia shells and like mm. different jewels and, it kind of came across my entire chest and then I had arm pieces mm -hmm. to it and then I had the feather and the pretty earrings and then this last Met Gala, mm -hmm. same thing. I did like really pretty long arm pieces, a yeah. cute necklace, the earrings. So, you know, with those big moments like that, like I think it's super important that natives get, you know, that um, the eyes mm -hmm. because it shows the world that our art, our jewelry is just as high fashion mm -hmm. as Dior, as Louis Vuitton's. Like, mm -hmm. I think it's funny because I'm not ain't not trying to shade nobody yeah. or nothing, but <laughs> like, you know, we love, a few. We love everybody, and yeah, also literally. But you know, there were a few jewelry pieces that were gifted to me that it's like Gucci or LV or something, and then they're like low key kind of cheap, and they break, and they're just like the chain isn't real, and mm -hmm. it's just like why is this like 500 bucks for a fake chain? Mm -hmm. You know, like it just like is cringe to me. And I'm yeah. like, just cause it's labeled as Gucci. doesn't mean anything to me. Mm -hmm. I'm like this, like the necklaces I'm wearing, you know, the jewelry that I'm wearing, like this is the thing, this is the stuff where like, especially like the really beautiful big beaded pieces mm -hmm. or like the stuff that has more raw materials in it that took more time and energy to put into it. You know, like, that's what I will spend $500 on. Totally. Well, even, like, it's interesting because when you look at fashion, like, couture is, like, the ultimate, right? And couture mm -hmm. really just means that it's, like, handmade, it's customized. Whereas when you look at exactly what you're saying with, like, a lot of, well, all native jewelry, like, it's, most of it is handmade. Yeah. Like, it's, like, hand-sewn, it's, like, yep. sculpted and And, and like, tailored to you. And, so that's yeah. actually all of those jewelry pieces. Like, it's all couture. Were all couture yeah. for me because, yeah. like, the arm pieces, they have to get my right arm measurements. Mm -hmm. Like, the neck pieces, right neck measurements. Like, the length of the earrings to see how far I wanted them to hang. If mm -hmm. I wanted them to brush on my shoulder, if I wanted them to sit up, like... Yeah. It's very, like... like all customized. Exactly. Yeah. It's all couture, mm -hmm. you know, so... I think that's so interesting. What's it like for you to walk? So like, for example, I know I was with you in New York for the Met Gala this year, which I loved. And like, once you get, we get you on that bus, like you're on your way to the carpet. Like, what's it like to actually walk a carpet like that? Oh my gosh. I think the first time I did it, I completely dissociated. Like I genuinely do not remember being on the carpet. Really? Because I was like, my anxiety was really high. Also, like the only thing I remember was being yelled at. Like I was just so like, I swear I dissociated. Like I literally was like, this isn't real. Like I'm walking out there and I'm like, oh my God, like all of these celebrities are surrounding me. Like mm -hmm. media, like it was just like the most intense like thing. Even just like prepping for it was intense, yeah. you know, yeah. like leading up to it. It's like the nerves, it's just insane. But I remember, like, the first time I did it, you know, a lot. I actually got weird lashback because there's this article that um, this publication put out that actually, like, twisted my words mm. and didn't put any context into anything that I said and made it look, sound, like, really bad, which it literally wasn't. Like, if anyone, if it was a podcast like this and they mm. released it, I would have gotten a way different response mm. because I explained the context. I explained 
everything. And yeah. they still were like, mm, she said this one little line, let's just use that and mm-hmm. then like chop it up and make it sound bad. Mm-hmm. And that's what media does. You yeah, know, that's totally. exactly what they do. It's like, it also gets some more clicks. So whatever. 1000%. But there were, I got some lashback because I basically was honest and I was like, yeah, honestly, like my first experience at the Met wasn't the best just because when I walked out on the carpet, the media and like everyone was like yelling at me to move and like to get off or to like because I was like blocking their shot of like another celebrity behind me like they didn't care to take my photo Mm. they were just telling me to move and so I didn't feel welcome on that carpet at all Mm -hmm. and I literally have like five or six photos from that night Mm -hmm. because like no one was taking photos of me I was just like whatever so and also like they have like little escorts, like these people that'll like walk you up the stairs and like help you with your train mm-hmm. if you have like a long train on your dress or whatever. Um, they were also, I could tell that they were like high anxiety. Like everyone's just like, it's a hectic kind of scene. Mm-hmm. A lot yeah, is going on. Um, but I think because I was being yelled at to move and stuff, I think she was getting anxiety and be like, oh, they want her to move. Like, so she literally like grabbed my arm and like drug me up the stairs. So I didn't really even get a lot of photos going up the stairs because wow. I was just kind of being drugged up the stairs and not getting my chance to like actually stand in yeah. your beauty and your power <laughs> and your messaging and all of the things yeah so by the time we got to the top of the stairs I was like not feeling it mm-hmm. feeling very discouraged wasn't feeling welcome and then I like just took a moment because one photographer that I actually seen at a shoot or something he's actually really cool he's a photographer I see everywhere mm-hmm. um he stopped just like let me get a photo of you miss chasing horse like he knew me so I was like Someone, someone I know. Cool. Um, so he took a photo of me. And as I'm, like, taking the photo, I have to, like... I literally just had to, like, remind myself why I went mm-hmm. and why it's important for me to be there. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, wanted to represent my people. Yeah. And I wanted to be proud of my indigeneity. I wanted to, you know, show up and show the world that this is America. That I, like, Native American people are America. We're the true... Like, we're mm-hmm. the true Americans, mm-hmm. you know? And that... We bring so much, you know, influence to the society, to government even. If people didn't even know, like, a lot of people don't know that our, um, uh, what is it called, the Confederacy and, like, Mm -hmm. the, like, what is it called? Oh, like, the Constitution. Yeah, the Constitution. See, I'm terrible with all that because I don't care for it. I really (laughs) don't care for it. Really don't. (laughs) Only because the, um, do you know it was written after the... um, the Iroquois constitution basically it was like almost copy and paste but like they obviously had changed a lot of it to to fit their agenda Uh they literally like the whole democracy everything like everything that this like basically this entire country is structured from is inspired by Native Americans because we had our own governments basically we had our own ways of like functioning Mm -hmm. you know and so like it was and we were successful, like we were thriving. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I just feel like, you know, me showing up like that, like I had to remind myself, you know, like I literally envisioned my ancestors walking up those stairs with me, mm. like behind me, like just with their hands on me, just like pushing me forward. Mm. And that was another kind of moment of strength. It was like a, you know, like a recharge. Yeah. I was like, all right, I'm here. Fuck those people. I'm here. (laughs) Seriously. Well, and I think that's like, you speak to something that's like anyone who, 
is, I'm going to say like the face of a movement or is like invested in some sort of a movement like that. It's like, which is really just, you know, reparations and, and truly honoring a culture, um, and a people, but it's like, you just, it's not easy. Like it's exhausting and Mm -hmm. it's frustrating and it's, confusing and like there's there like a lot so of many weird questions yeah the like ignorance totally like, like and so i think that's it's cool to to hear you be like yeah it was really hard and mm-hmm. still like i knew that i was i had an opportunity to like be present in a space mm-hmm. where like my people traditionally are not represented mm-hmm. um, or historically not represented and i think that in and of itself is such a like dynamic testament to you and like your willingness to always show up and to be honest, show out like in whatever situation. Um, and I think it's, I think it's super cool. So like, okay, what's like the future? So you've done a lot already this year. Like I know, like we've worked on a lot of projects. Um, and I know you have some stuff in the future, but like, what is it that you're actually looking to continue to create? What conversations are you wanting to have? Like what's, what's next? I think, well, my, I think my big goal that I've I'm continuing to work towards, you know, me and my mom started that, um, native youth outdoors. Mm -hmm. That's something I really want to focus on because Mm -hmm. a lot of our communities don't have space to like, just be in community, like, especially in cities. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was explaining how a lot of our youth struggle with suicide, depression, drugs, alcohol abuse, a lot of those things and those statistics because of many different reasons. I don't even have to get into that. Um, Google. Literally Google. Google. Literally just go to Google. Just, go, just Google it. <laughs> just literally Google why natives, you know, struggle with addiction mm-hmm. more than others. And you'll see that it was not our fault. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was never our fault. Um, anyways. So basically with um, actually my last partnership with Golden Goose, I was able to get them to match all royalties, like of how much they're paying me, like everything. That's amazing. To, um, and, uh, a health and wellness center for um, Fairbanks Native Association because basically in the city of Fairbanks, it's a small city. It's basically a town, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's really rough. It's a rough place to grow up. It really is. And a lot of like the gyms and a lot of those like recreational spaces, like you have to have a membership and it's expensive or whatever. And all the time, like, they always end up kicking natives out, you know? Mm -hmm. So, like, we just don't feel welcome in those spaces. And, like, a lot of the time our people can't pay for memberships or whatever. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to create this space specifically for our people to come and not just to play basketball and to, you know, do sports and all those things, but also to give ourselves a space to gather and have, like, you know, fundraisers, potlatches, ceremonies, like, just Mm -hmm. have a space for us to be together and... Because we don't have that, and that's something we're definitely lacking in, and I feel like that's something that can truly, you know, um, bring a positive, you know, um, just be positive for our community in general. Like, just, it's going to be great, and I'm really excited about it, because I wish I had that living in Fairbanks. I wish my brothers and all of the Native boys I grew up with, my cousins, my friends, I wish they had that outlet. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, just creating space for native youth to thrive to heal mm-hmm. because generational trauma is so real in BIPOC communities yeah. you know trauma is statistically known and scientifically known to completely damage our DNA totally and so you know when you get traumatized when something horrific happens 
you know, it gets embedded in your DNA and you pass it down. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, all of us youth, all of our younger kids carry so much that they don't even realize they carry so much pain and hurt. And that's why when we talk about our history, when we talk about, um, you know, a lot of what our people went through in the genocide, like we feel it in our bodies. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's not something you can explain. Like it's a pain. Mm -hmm. It's an ache. It's a thing that you just want to ball your eyes out and you don't know why it hurts you so bad, but it's mm -hmm. because that pain, that trauma is embedded mm -hmm. in your DNA. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you want to give space to young people to be able to heal and mm -hmm. to thrive and yeah. to laugh and to be with one another and to recognize that, you know, yes, we have trauma, but we can heal from it. Mm -hmm. We can thrive. We can do good. We can be good in this world. And um, even if it wasn't made for us to thrive, we can thrive. Mm -hmm. It is possible. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like the big goal that I want to do is just create different spaces. And I actually wanted to do this thing called like um, basic, basically a youth camp where we bring kids to a camp, mm -hmm. like maybe to our like family fish camp and teach them really cool survival skills, cultural practices, you know, like different traditional medicines, like learn how to harvest things and, you know, learn how to fish, cut fish, like a few hunting skills, like those things, like traditional knowledge that, you know, initially is actually very healing. It makes you feel proud. Like my little brother is a cultural barrier of her family. He knows how to hunt all on his own. He knows how to fish all on his own. He knows how to trap all on his own. Um, and he's only 18 and he is the best at it. Like he's the best hunter I know. And uh, I'm really proud of him because that's that's healing for him. Mm -hmm. Like when he's he hates being in the city, like he hates it because he's like, I have nothing to do here. There's nothing to do here. Like, you know, like going to amusement parks is not amusing to him. Yeah. He's like, I, I want to go, you know, build a cabin or I want to go do something like he's always out on the land. He's always spending time with the animals. He's like so out there that like everything in the city does not fulfill him. Mm. Um and that's beautiful because I feel like when you're that connected, you don't need this like materialistic things of the mm -hmm. world. You don't need any of that. You really don't. He even says like, I don't need this. And it'll be something that like a lot of kids will think like, I need it. You know, mm -hmm. like, no. Yeah. You know, he, he sometimes. It's like digital world. Yes. Yes. He like, he, he's not big on video games. Like he, he likes to play with my brother every here and there, but. He'd rather be outside. Right? Outside? We outside? We outside. Um, I love that. And I think, too, like, there's a couple of really amazing things you said there. One was, like, the the power of, like, partnerships. Mm -hmm. Like, a lot of times um, partnering with brands is, like, such a cool way to get your message out mm -hmm. there, to get your causes out there, to get money into, like, mm -hmm. you know, it costs money to, like, run these organizations and all of this stuff. Like, and, and I think that's something that, like, whatever your thing is like partnering with brands that are going to honor that and, mm -hmm. and and I think it's such a cool way cool thing to see where you're like listen yes I will work for you or I'll work with you and also like here's part of what that what else is required and I think that's such a fun um it's not fun it's like it it's so inspiring and that's like even, I mean, shout out to Vagaro, who's, like, sponsoring this podcast. Mm -hmm. Like, they're, they're like, an online booking app. And they're really supporting, like, you know, um, like, health and wellness mm -hmm. and fitness professionals in, like, building their business. Because, like, mm -hmm. so it doesn't have to be necessarily this, like, you know, earth-shattering sort of change in, in contribution. But 
whatever you can do to partner with brands, like whoever's listening to this or watching this, like whatever you can do to partner with brands that like support a cause, like it's such a game changer. And I think, um, like a little can go a to, long way. Yes. Like Literally. it's so huge. And I think that's where like, um, even Vagar was having this, uh, it's iconic 23, this like, um, like two day seminar of like business classes and education, things like that, which if you guys want to see more of that, you can go to vagaro.com slash pro slash Paula, um, and get your tickets. It's in September. But the thing about that is like, it's like bringing whether I know, and it's not the same as like bringing together indigenous children to like show them joy, but it's like the same thing of like these little things that make massive changes in the industry. Yep. Like you're talking about the beauty industry and the, or I'm talking about the beauty industry. You're talking about the fashion industry. You're talking about connecting, you know, youth to the land and things like that. It's like all of these things that we do, I think make the world a better place. And mm-hmm. it's like, find your thing, whatever it is, whether it's like, you know, mm-hmm. celebrating indigenous culture and like really helping people to, to realize the beauty of who they are, mm-hmm. or even in the beauty industry, like helping people to realize the beauty of who yeah. they are. Like there's so many different ways that you can do it. And it's like, you don't have to be Kwana or you don't have to be Paula, like do the thing that speaks to you mm-hmm. and, and stay authentic to who you are. Totally. I think that's like the most beautiful thing is when you can comfortably like genuinely comfortably be yourself like so true it's so beautiful and i know that's like really tricky for some people Mm because some communities some spaces aren't like the most welcoming but when you show up as you like that's a whole different level of power you know yeah well and i think what's interesting and i thought about this earlier like uh, someone said this morning when we started this conversation was like you were talking about how um as a youth like a lot of your clothes were from, you know, Goodwill or they were hand-me-downs. And so it developed, you developed this really kind of, you were forced to develop this authentic sense of style, right? Based on like what was available to you. And I think even for me, like, um, growing up, like I've always been plus size, like I've always been, a like had a bigger body. And I think that forced me to have to get creative because mm-hmm. what was available for me, mm-hmm. like, wasn't, it wasn't the trends. It wasn't the, yeah. you know, and so I think that's where I love what you're saying about creating and and cultivating this sense of authenticity because Mm -hmm. it may not be the cool thing. It's probably not going to be the cool thing. Mm -hmm. Like, but if you are staying true to what is, is real and and true for you, that in and of itself is like such a powerful invitation Mm -hmm. and, and people don't always know what it is, but they'll be like, there's something about them that Mm -hmm. is just like, so, and that's where you capture people and then you get to share your message and be like, cool, let me tell you about like why I look the way I do or how I, you know, how I've created this style or, (laughs) you know, and, and it's like simultaneously educational and empowering at the same time, which is, I don't know, for me, I get really excited about that. People that are just authentically living, like live your life. Yep, exactly. I mean, I think that's just how my family has been no matter what. Like my mom has always just been like that. Like she's always just like, fuck what they think. Yeah. You know, like I'm a dog musher. I live in the woods. Yeah. Like I don't care. You know, Yo, your like, mom you know is what? badass though. Like, she is. She, is. <laughs> she really is. She's like, shout out to mama Joni. Literally. She's like so badass that she's like intimidating. Yeah. You know, like you don't want to, she's definitely like fuck around and find out, you know, <laughs> you're like, if fuck around and find out. <laughs> literally. <person." laughs> and I've found out a few times and I learned my lesson. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. I love it. 
Um, okay, so we are we're getting close. I mean, we've been chatting for like an hour. Yeah, it's so I can good. continue. Like I could listen to you. I'm also, like, like this going. is how we are when we work. Like so we true. just like even if oh, like talking about everything, literally everything will be in the middle of like a really great combo, and they'll be like, "All right, we need you to be like, all right, we'll continue with this later." You know? <laughs> Seriously. But it's like, I think that's the, and the other thing too is what's crazy to me is like, you just turned 21. Like, I think when we met, obviously, I think you I were was 19. 19 when we met. Yeah. And, and I, when I found out you were 19, I was shook because right out of the gate, like we started talking about like everything. And yeah, also like you're the first hairstylist to ever ask permission to like touch my hair. If it was okay mm. to like touch my hair. Cause I feel like in this industry, like makeup artist hairstylists, like, you know, when you're working with native people, I think it's a really mm-hmm. important message. Yeah. Like our hair is like so sacred, sacred to mm-hmm. us that like we actually don't let anyone touch our hair. Mm-hmm. And as a model, like being a part of this industry, like people are going to be touching your hair, you know. Yeah. And so like I had to learn to just like even after work, sometimes I just smudge myself mm-hmm. down because, you know, I've worked with some people that didn't the have energy good energy. Right. Exactly yeah. that. They're like pissed off or angry or just mm-hmm. like have a horrible energy or just have an attitude and they're like touching my hair and then I feel it and I'm mm-hmm. like I feel it in my body I'm just yeah. like you're giving me this energy and I'm happy right now and mm-hmm. you're ruining that like yeah. keep that to yourself or don't touch my hair mm-hmm. you know and so I think it's super important for people in the industry to know like when you're working with native people we really take that seriously mm-hmm. and like it's just respectful to be like all right are you ready can I touch mm-hmm. your hair now mm-hmm. or like do you want to like you know, do something to make you feel better. Like, even if you're like as a hairstylist in a bad mood, yeah. like just try your best to not project that onto who you're working on because like we will feel it, mm-hmm. you know? And I feel like a lot of people aren't as intuitive to feel that because people don't care. They're like, oh, it's just hair. Yeah. But native people truly like we yeah. feed off of that. Like yeah. it, our hair is so sacred. And, you know, like our Paul Mitchell video explains mm-hmm. that. I have like a few other things where I explain why hair is so sacred to us. Totally. And you're the first first hairstylist to be like all right are you ready like can I touch your hair like what are you comfortable with like you were the one that was very like Mm. you knew that like you just I don't know if that was just something you do or if Mm. that was just like I didn't know I was just like does she know that like my hair is super important yeah I know well it was like it's both because one is like especially growing up like I as this like whitewashed child <laughs> like um I think for me I didn't realize that until I became a hairdresser and especially when I started like as like a black woman and working with other black women yeah. and like that's also a huge part of the culture like don't touch my hair yeah. is a thing I was like, about to say like it's hair. a very same thing for totally. like black culture is like a lot of yeah. like actually I have my best friend is afro-indigenous and mm-hmm. you met her yeah yeah she's black and native totally and she like her hair you know gorgeous gorgeous, gorgeous yeah. hair yeah. and I love braiding her hair I just love putting all the love in her mm-hmm. you know when I'm braiding yeah. her hair and you know, she always talks about how, like, white people are always like, can I touch your hair? And, like, mm. go for it. And she's like, don't touch my yeah. hair. Like, <laughs> totally. But I think that was... So, I knew that, like, I obviously I know that. But then the other thing, too, is I had an awareness that, like, braiding is a huge part of your culture. Yeah. Like, that it's just a huge part of Native culture. And mm-hmm. that it is very sacred. Like, I think even... In Black too, culture. Like, yeah, totally. Yeah. 1,000%. So, I mean, I just... I also... It was, like, our first time meeting. Like, yeah. I don't... You don't know me. Like, yeah. you know, there were a ton of people in the room like so obviously introducing myself was a huge part of that because I always want the people that I work with to feel really comfortable um but it yeah I think it it, I I love hearing that and I guess it's just kind of for me I feel like it's a common courtesy yeah um maybe because of where I come from and also what I know about like black culture and like afro-latina culture and then also like trusting just I don't know I just feel like it was like the right 
right thing to do. But I'm glad that it meant something to you because I, I like actually like it. It completely like I'm gonna be honest. Like when stuff like that happens on set, even like small things, like if someone says like a very ignorant, like rude, mm-hmm. ugly comment to me mm-hmm. and not even realize how rude or ugly it is. I'm like, that will change my mood for the mm-hmm. entire day. And I'm like, oh, you're so ignorant. Like, I wish I could go off on you, but I know you just don't know any better. Like, <laughs> let me be Let me, exactly. <clears throat> and I feel like a lot of people struggle with that. It's yeah. like knowing how to like address and navigate mm-hmm. those things. But you were very, yeah, it made me feel so good for the rest mm-hmm. of the day. I was like, oh, this team is amazing. Everyone's amazing. amazing. Like it, it was, yeah. I love that. That makes me feel so happy. Um, okay, so one of the things that I do on the show Every single guest that comes on, I don't know, I think you might know this. I love Crocs. Like, I'm, like, almost always wearing Crocs. I know. <laughs> I was, you know what's funny? I what? was, I don't know why I didn't. I was going to wear my Crocs here today. Oops, I was like, I'm just putting on my up-tempos, but. They're cute, though. That's cute. It's a vibe. It's a vibe. It all, the look all works together. It's very on brand for you. Um, anyway, so every guest gets a pair of Crocs. I choose on. No choose way. One that really? Like, That's so cute. That I think, like, represents them. So I guess I didn't need to wear. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know what's so crazy? What? I actually, Do you have these? No, I've been oh. wanting those. Yes. Like, I actually asked my friend recently, because she was so like, do you want like, Crocs? super colorful. She couldn't find them in my size. Not you taking looking. off your shoes right I'm now. I'm taking them off right now. <laughs> oh, my God. Even these little things are so yeah, perfect. They, like, come yeah. with everything. Like, it's literally just, like... <laughs> I know. I saw them and I was like, I have to get these for Quana. Like, they're so. Thank you so much. You didn't have to do this. I'm literally, these are, oh my God, look how cute. (laughs) They're so good. They look so good. They look so cute. I just feel like they were so bright and colorful. They're also very mean. (laughs) I wasn't going to go there. I'm so happy you went there. I actually like have these um, other little pop. What are they called? Like little jibbit yeah. things. Uh-huh. And I have one that says land back. So I could just stick it on here oh too. Oh my God. Amazing. That's yeah. so cool. I love it. It's funny. Cause I was like, I don't know if Quan has Crocs. Like I, I have two this. pairs. Do you? Pepper chewed up one pair and I wear them all the time. So they're kind of busted. <laughs> I have a pair that has, that's like black and like a little platform. Oh, yeah. With like butterflies on it. Yeah. Oh, cute. And, oh, yeah. I know those ones. I have it. Yeah. Yeah. Those are cute. Anyway, well, now you have a third pair. Oh, these are my favorite. They're so oh, cute, right? My They're so you. <laughs> well, you're going to see me everywhere in these. Like, why, <laughs> like, honestly, you know, some models, like when they get, go to work, mm-hmm. like they want to like dress up. Mm-hmm. and stuff but like i've gotten to the point where in the beginning i was like oh what should i wear it to work today but really like i don't need to because i'm wearing other clothes yeah and they dress my, you yeah literally yeah. but you know i just started wearing like scrubs you know just like my sweatpants back t-shirt and pair of crocs or something and these will be my new set shoes <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, thanks for coming. I love you so much. You already know that. I always, I like more and more. I'm like, she's like my little sister. Like when your mom called me auntie at your birthday, I was like, I'm auntie. Like, but I think like, I'm you so, give anti vibes. It's true. Like, total anti vibes. And like, you're very, like, even when we work, I feel like there's a sense of just like understanding and even like protection. I know like mm-hmm. you and Katie are very much like nurturing like, so nurturing you guys are like don't fuck with my girl you know it's true so, like, it's true though because it's a lot there's a lot of people there's a lot you know so i always i try not to be too overbearing but also be aware of like where you're at and like do you need me to step in do you need me to like 
Check. Well, I was just checking in. Just checking in. You're very great at what you do. Thank you. And I'm very happy to be able to work with you and know you and get to do this. And yeah. Thanks for coming. I'm very happy to come. I'm very happy to be here. This was a cool conversation for sure. It was great. Mm, I'm sure we'll do this again at some point. Done. Yes. Say less. Amazing. Well, thank you all for joining us. Make sure you do all the things like subscribe, comment, share, tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your neighbors, whoever, just tell somebody. Yes. (laughs) And, um, you can spread the word. Yeah. Spread the word for sure. And, uh, we'll see you guys next time. (laughs) 